What is up, Anthony? It is McNuggets. Earl and G. Bush will be joining us here momentarily as the Browns look to close out a win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is currently the two-minute warning, as always, when we launch our two-minute warning show. And at the moment, at the moment, the Browns lead the Jaguars 31-21. to Jacksonville is driving with two minutes left. If they score, they need to recover an onside kick, score again. But once again, we find ourselves... In this two-minute warning show with a lot of drama, and and once again, Joe Flacco's been impressive. The defense has had up and downs. I know G wants to yell about the running game. There was some bad plays, some good plays, and it's going to be a very fun post-game show. But before we get to the post-game show, we got to get through the game first because this will be a lot more fun if the Browns hold on for a victory here, guys. And Ant, with two minutes left, I know Earl and G will hop in once the uh, once the game concludes, but with two minutes left, how are you feeling about these Cleveland Brownies? Uh, I mean, they're playing a good offense, so I'm not as worried about the defense as I think I might need to be. But Joe Flacco is out there looking like Joe Flacco. It's kind of wild to see, uh, but you love to see it. I, what was it? 300? G said if we get 300 yards and three touchdowns, it's a miracle, and here we are. Hey. I, t- I tweeted this a little while ago, but if you had told me, and, and th- there's a lot of extra things, but if you had told me Joe Flacco would throw for 300 plus and three touchdowns, I said the Browns are up by 25 points. Trevor Lawrence couldn't move, and the Browns would be walking to an easy W. This game is not over, though, and that's kind of the scary part, but the Browns are in a good position up 10 with two minutes to go. I do understand Jacksonville has the ball and is driving, but. What Joe Flacco's done, and we'll talk about this more in depth with Earl and, and G. Bush, has been very, very, very impressive. One thing, as I'll say as we come back from break, this game is taking freaking forever, Anthony. We have games that have already concluded in the 4 Dude. o'clock window. The national game of the week is already underway, and it is incredible how week after week the Cleveland Browns find themselves in the longest games of the afternoon. I I'm so sick of having five hour games. Like I'm glad we're winning. It's at least it's, you know, hopefully we'll end it in a W here, but I'm, I just wish they could go a little bit faster. Yeah. I, listen, it is. Uh, and there was a chance for Ronnie. Was that? No, it's bell to pick it off. He dropped it third and one now for the Jaguars, but yeah, th- these games are taking forever, man. It is. It is pretty crazy how some of these games fly by. And you would think we had a couple games last week that were done in about, I don't know, two and a half hours, three hours. There's G. Bush who's here to watch the end of the game with us. But as we still have two minutes to play in the Browns game, they're showing a split box. Jackson, uh, Buffalo and Kansas City, which is the 430 primetime game, G, is already five minutes into the first quarter. It's insane. It's insane. And hop back in here. You're in here until the game ends. So. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, oh, there we go. Y'all got me? Yeah, we got you, G. What's G. up, G? What's up, man? Man, one yeah, of the longest games in history of mankind. Let me turn down this TV. Say it again. I said, what are the longest games in the history of mankind right here, bro? Listen, the first Thursday night football game, uh, or Monday night football game, excuse me, week two, I remember that game started at 8.30, and I'm texting Earl, I'm texting Ant, like, yo, we ain't gonna, we just might as well just go into the studio. That game yeah. took like four and a half hours, and it feels like this has been even longer. And it's crazy, G, because it's Joe Flacco and an injured Trevor Lawrence, and you would think – you would think going into it, we'd see a lot of running plays, but between the injuries, the pass attempts, the incompletions, neither quarterback has a very good completion percentage. 
Uh, that hasn't been the case. And are they going to call pass interference on David Bell at the three-yard line? Oh, no. Gee, where are you at in the game? Earl, what's up? What up? What's going on? They, just, they just threw the rock um, into the end zone. And it looks like they're going to try to call pass interference on the one-yard line. They are going to call pass interference on Anthony Walker. The ball is being placed at the two-yard line. Oof. And it'll be first and goal from the two with a minute 45 to play. I, think, yeah, I don't like that. That was a terribly thrown ball. I, that, that was a horrible call, bro. That is a, that is a call that you can't even make. Um, you know, especially down there on the goal line, you can't bail somebody out and just – like, there was four guys in that area. To me, that was in- uncatchable regardless. I mean, there was definitely contact, but I, I don't like that call. You, We've seen a couple of these over the last couple of weeks, guys, where quarterbacks have made terrible throws and have been essentially begging to be bailed out, and, and that feels like one of the ones where the referees just bail out a terrible throw, and, and there's Cleveland calling a timeout as Anthony Walker pleads his case. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Kind of know, bounced, no, spun right off of them. No, no one's gonna, um, you know, no one's gonna give you that. Um, I, you already think of here as a Cleveland Brown. You wanna, you wanna still continue to to make sure that you, uh, you don't keep in the end zone. You keep fighting, and so that you get to waste some of the time off the clock. And then, you know, it's up to the, you know, guys to get recover this onside kick. That's what we're doing right now. It, so. It's pretty funny, G. We saw on the fourth and three that Jacksonville had earlier in the fourth quarter. There may have been a little bit of early contact. Refs let it play. And then on the reverse, on third down, there may have been a little early contact on Elijah Moore. Refs let him play. That felt like the least intrusive of all three of those, and that's the one they call. But who knows? Jacksonville first and goal here from the two. Uh, Lawrence is in a shotgun. By the way, the uh, Rams-Ravens game is in overtime. Wow. Incomplete. Hey, Newsom's played a hell of a game. That's a great play there by Newsom. Play, play, he's played really well. He stepped um, up. We talked about Denzel Ward and how much of a help he would be coming back. Well, he doesn't actually play, but Greg Newsom may be playing his best game of the season. Maybe the best game of his young career early on, uh, early in his career. But this has been an impressive performance from Zero on the outside. I thought Greg Newsom played very well. Uh, Martin Emerson tried, is making a, a case for him being in the Pro Bowl or a all-pro at that. I thought he's played one of his best games. He's been balling. Um, so, you know, now we're we looking to, to make them continue to take snaps, make them continue to take snaps if they can. That play only wasted a few seconds. Uh, Walker almost had a pick six. Oh, oh, man. In the game, Walker. In the game, son. You could talk about redemption after getting the pass interference. That could have been the game winner, but Walker read that thing beautifully. Yeah, he did. He's, he's, he's looking at it. Good. Reading hey, the eyes of the quarterback. Down, bat it down. Bat it down. You live to see another play, but yeah. oh my goodness, that could have been. Uh, I, th- I think you would have seen my lights fall off the stands, G, if he had had a pick six and the eruption from the stadium shook my apartment to its core. I mean, I think that's the kind of reaction we would have gotten downtown Cleveland. Man, he would have been gone with that, too. Touchdown. Shoot. Oh, Ingram man. with his second touchdown of the game beat Hickman. And it's 21, uh, 31. They're going for two. They're going to go for – why would you go for two? Gee, what's the point of going for two there? 
it's what they because they want to win. They don't might not want to go to overtime with a field goal. They want to win it. But I would kick the field goal. I, I mean, Peterson has a giant set of cojones. We've seen it with the Philly special call in the Eagles Super Bowl, and he is obviously an aggressive coach. But I think, I think this may be being a little over aggressive. Obviously, massive implications on the end here. If the Browns get a stop, that means Jacksonville will need a touchdown to win the game. And here's Cleveland using its second timeout of the second half to kind of get their defense set here. Hey, listen, this is what we're talking about. We're going to find out if y'all y'all really is about that life, special teams. We, we be throwing out people's names. Bubba Ventrone, this is what Bubba Ventrone gets paid for. Right, right here. Get the onside kick. We don't Gee, care how it happens, how it goes down. You work on it every week. Get the onside kick. Take a knee. Game over. That's the last time at. Joe Flacco played in Cleveland Brown Stadium, the Jets recovered an onside kick in that infamous epic collapse in week two, G. I hope, I hope since then they've changed special teams coordinators, but I hope the Browns have done some sort of advanced scouting and with Ventrone changed their philosophy on getting an onside kick recovery or else it'll be uh, deja vu with this defense or the special teams unit. Here's a two-point attempt. Man, I'm so far behind. And there's Miles Garrett with the sack. How about 95? Biggest there defense we go. play of the game. That's Comes a huge play. Most. Huge play. Now they got to get seven um, right here if they want to they wanna win this football game. Hey, man, listen. Two guys on them. Good job, Miles Garrett. Yeah. Way to keep fighting. Way to get home. Recover Gee. this onside kick. So I can give these T-shirts away and let's get up out of here. Hey, do you guys know, does that count as a stat? Does that count as a sack? I don't think it does. I don't think it does. I don't think, I don't it, does think it does. Don't because think it's, it's not a two-point? Yeah, because it's not huh. technically a, a, a downed play. But either way, sack, no sack, whatever. That's a monstrous play from Miles Garrett. Not only beating a left tackle, but Travis Etienne hit him with a chip too. Mm-hmm. And he slid his way through and got Trevor Lawrence down to the ground. The Browns have had a couple sacks. That was like the first one that really felt like a sack. And it was a dairy. Uh, Grant Delpitz did. I, I apologize. But Zadarius and Agua both got credited with a sack as Lawrence was scrambling forward. So they didn't really feel as sacky as that. But uh, I know, I'll never say sacky on air again. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that I thought that very, was just. That man, came out I, very weird. That came out I, was, weird. I was just going to not say nothing nope. and let you get nope, it off. That came out weird. We just won't talk about it. Nope, we'll drop that. Earl, we'll make drop. a note to cut this for the morning show. But <laughs> I have no idea. Is that the punter or the kicker for the Jaguars doing the uh, onside kick? Number ten. Is that their punter or kicker? You know how you know how slim you got to be to be 105, 105 pounds with wearing all white, which makes you look bigger, and the fact that you got shoulder pads on. <laughs> that man had has, has an adolescent body of a teenage girl. This so, guy. Number 10? Ten, oh my gosh! Look at this. Look how small that man's neck is. <laughs> and Baltimore has beat the L.A. Rams in overtime on a punt return touchdown. Oh man! Wallace seventy-six yard punt wow. return touchdown to beat the Rams in overtime, and that is a uh, it's a big blow. That's a big. Other oh, punter is number nine, Mike. What, who's a, who's that? A big blow to. Well, if the Browns win this game and the Ravens had lost, it'd be a one-game race in the AFC North. 
Oh, well, I, you know, I, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at that. Kick, and the Browns recover. That should be it. Thank you, Bubba. That should be it. That should be it. game. James Prochet, the guy who is coming. We had DPJ returning punts. Now it's Prochet. He's done a great job in that sense. And now he comes up with the biggest play of the game for the Browns, recovering the onside kick. It is 31-27, a minute 32 to play. And Jacksonville does not have any timeouts left. Victory formation, G. I'm going to ask you this real quick. Just like I got to cover my bases. How often do you practice victory formation? And what's what do we got to be looking for here? I know it's not simple, but like, just, just tell me what to be looking for. Listen, this is a me. Go home. Done. Dunsky. Done data. We out of here, bro. We done. So the first knee attempt successful. One more, and it's a wrap as the Browns are about to move to eight and five. If the season ended today, Cleveland would be heading to Jacksonville for a 4-5 playoff matchup. And with the Bengals beating the Colts, the Bengals are back in the playoff race as well. Hey, that, that, that game matchup is getting a lot more interesting. But yeah. Flacco's going to take two more knee, knees here to end this one. Flacco, successful. And the fireworks have gone off in the stadium. This one's a wrap, boys. The Browns are 8-5. and five. They have defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars. Joe Flacco, 300-plus yards, three touchdowns. And G. Bush, you called it from the get-go. You said it on Friday. You predicted it in headlines, so I'll let you start here. But Joe Flacco has turned time backwards and has become the quarterback the Cleveland Browns have been begging for this season. Hey, listen, um, first and foremost, we want to just say thank you to all those out there. Christmas is around the corner. And I told you if the Browns won, I was giving out shirts. I'm giving out five of these. The Grinch Christmas cookies, the G-Money shirts. I got one on right now. I got them in black. I got them in green. I'm giving out five of these. What you do, just go ahead and go hit me up at gbush91 at hotmail.com. Send the word Xmas. Send the word Xmas. To gbush91hotmail.com, and we're giving five of those things away. So uh, congratulations to the Cleveland Browns. We eight and five, and here's the thing. I was begging. I've been begging for weeks for for a veteran quarterback. (laughs) I was begging. They told me, gee, how many times did we hear it this season? We heard it all year. If, 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 if DTR is playing, if P.J. Walker is playing, if, if Flacco is playing, if Deshaun Watson is hurt, this team is finished. We're done. It doesn't matter who they bring in. Liars. All liars. You're 8-5. and five. Joe Flacco came in. They tried to hit him with the ageism. He's 38 years old. They try to say he's diminished. They try to call him Joe Biden. I'm just playing this. I just threw that one in there. Just don't, don't hate me. Don't hate me. They tried to they say he was too old. And Joe came in and did what Joe does. I told you on Friday he was getting 300. I told you he was getting three touchdowns. (laughs) And once again, G. Bush in the crystal ball is jumping. Amadi Bates is averaging 30. Joe Flacco was throwing up 300 yards. I got more T-shirts out. It said the king of the north. And guess who? The Cleveland Browns. Eight and five. Eight and five. Say it again. Eight and five. We don't care about nothing. Stefanski can get some little uh, blame, whatever the case may be. Hey, you just had somebody that's 65 years old on Social Security just throw for 305 and three touchdowns, and we ready to cook. Earl, the Browns are eight and five, and it feels damn good. Man, wacko for Flacco. I said we was going five and no. We want to know four more to go. 
Um, I thought he played a damn good game. I thought he came out there. I thought he led the offense. The game was wild. You know, get like that, a bunch of turnovers when you got two good teams in the AFC playing each other. But um, the Browns got the victory, a much-needed victory. You know, I think right now we locked into the fifth seed of the playoffs, so that does, that does a lot going forward. Um, yeah, like a very, very impressive victory for real. Very impressed with Joe, Joe Flacco today. Um, I know that that interception was crazy, me and you texted about it, but I thought that was more on Cedric Tillman than him. Um, it was just good. You know, you couldn't afford to lose three straight. You get back in front of your home crowd. Uh, you never played uh, from behind in this entire game. Even when things kind of, you know, looked like the momentum wanted to shift, you kind of like hung in, hung in there with them, man, punch for punch. Um, Greg Newsom made plays all day. Martin Emerson made plays. I know a lot of people was calling on David Njoku to come out here and uh, step up and, and have a big game, and he did that first career multi-touchdown game. So, uh, all in all, man, a great team win for the Browns. Despite having three turnovers, you still won a turnover battle, and you came away with the victory, man. Uh, I sat in G seat the other day, and I said, wacko for Flacco, man. The Browns was going 5-0 and with Joe Flacco at quarterback. Uh, all of a sudden, you, you, you see the Houston Texans lose to the New York Jets, and now all of a sudden they don't look uh, all so high and mighty. Uh, but, yeah, Chicago next week. Let's get it, man. Who would have thought that on Sunday's postgame show, two minutes after the Browns have knocked off the Jaguars, we'd be saying this was the day of the Davids. David and Joku, two tutties. David Bell, hey, hand up our bad. We didn't interview at uh, Feed the Need, which I'm wearing the shirt specifically just to say I apologize to David Bell for not reckon, recognizing you in person there. But David Bell with the touchdown. And Joku with two touchdowns. Flacco wasn't perfect, but he played another extremely impressive game. And G. Bush. In two games, Flacco has five touchdown passes. I don't think there's been a defender within 10 yards of the Browns player who scored the touchdown on any of the five. Think about this. Jerome Ford on the first one last week. There wasn't a defender on the Rams within 20 yards of him. The Harrison Bryant touchdown, Bryant could have army crawled in if that wasn't considered down. The first Njoku touchdown, there wasn't anyone within 30 yards of him. I think the closest person to Njoku on that touchdown was me in my apartment half a mile away. Then Njoku's second touchdown, breaks a tackle when he crosses the goal line, no one within 20 yards, and David Bell, the Jaguars defender, slipped. Call it what you want. You could frame it how you want. Was it perfect? No. But Stefanski and Flacco, for whatever reason, seem to be like peanut butter and jelly. Flacco and Stefanski seem to work together in ways that if you asked me beforehand, is Flacco the kind of guy that fits what I think Stefanski wants to do? I would have said, eh, I see some some of it, but I don't see all of it. But this has been a beautiful marriage for two weeks. It's been two weeks. I'm not saying extend him, give him a 10-year contract. It's been two weeks. But based on the 120 minutes of football we have to judge Joe Flacco on, he's been really damn good, guys. And this offense has looked completely different than it has looked with Deshaun Watson, with DTR, and P.J. Walker. And that's a credit to Stefanski. That's a credit to this offensive line, which deserves a ton of kudos. And it's a credit to Joe Flacco for being able to come off his couch, throw the ball like he has, and pick up and absorb, absorb whatever the Browns' offensive situation has asked of him to do. I I, I couldn't be more impressed. It wasn't perfect, but I could not be more impressed from where my expectation for Flacco was two weeks ago to what he's performed in his two games as the Browns quarterback. Um, as you can see, his name shall be Flacavelli from now. <laughs> 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 
literally is chilly out here. Flaccavelli has now, listen, he's right up there with Nostradamus. He came in. And there's a certain certain thing to be said. We talked about it on the barbershop. We said it on Saturday. It's something to be said for somebody who's already been there, done that. It's something to be said for a professor that that taught philosophy for 45 years. He already understands all the debates. He knows all the jargon. When, When Joe Flacco comes out there, when they call the play, he's already diagnosed what they're in. He's already going to know where his first target's going to be. And he knows whether or not he can extend the play or not. And one of the best things that he does is, if it ain't there, I'm throwing it away. If it ain't there, I'm throwing it away. But he still gives you the opportunity to have, you know, throw footballs down the field where he looked like he was going to throw it away, but he hits David and Joku in the back shoulder. He, he still has the arm strength, the elite arm strength, to sneak the ball in all the way across the field on deep outs, Right. And so one thing I always try to tell people, man, don't be relying on these cliches. These cliches will get you beat. It don't matter if you happen to be 38 years old. When they said Van Pelt said he still has an elite arm talent, people chuckled and laughed like he was throwing some smoke screen. To be truthful, let's just be honest with you. This This is the most competent we've seen the quarterback position all year. Just be real with it. He, there is no, there's no herky jerkiness. Don't, don't look like we panicked. It don't look it like that. Not saying that, that, that Joe Flacco is the long-term answer, but what I am going to say is week by week, they're going to still be able to put some th- things in. They're going to be able to put some wrinkles in. And your gauge and your hope is you continue week by week to get better, more things on this table, and you're peaking right when playoff time comes around. And then I'm going to tell you what. Ain't nobody want to go want to see the Browns play. Ain't nobody going to want to see it. Man, right. for as much as the football guys is taken away from the Cleveland Browns this year, they kind of blessed us at the right time and the right situation with the right person. If you look at this team all year long, you know, gee, we talked about this on Saturday. You can see the evolution of the Cleveland Browns week by week, right? This is a team who has a lot of depth, but they have their core players, right? And when you got core guys like Nick Chubb, Deshaun Watson, and Jack Conklin that go down, most people would think your season is in jeopardy or that your season might be over. And even if your season is not in jeopardy, that your goals has to change. And what you realize is that this team is more talented than maybe what they thought, meaning the people inside the organization, that this team is more talented than what they thought it was at the beginning of the year. We've had the opportunity to interview a few of these guys that play for the Cleveland Browns, and all of them talk about the belief that they have internally that they can go out here and still accomplish big things despite what they went through. And so now you bring in a savvy veteran who has been around 18 years, has seen damn near every single defense that you possibly can think of, who knows every defensive cadence that you can think of, who understands the moment, who understands what it's like to play in the AFC and the AFC North, And then you add that to the mix and it's almost like the perfect recipe right on time. Right. And, you know, Mike said earlier, if you would have asked him is Joe Flacco, you know, perfect for what Kevin Stefanski liked to do. I think we really don't have a true grasp on what it is. Kevin Stefanski likes to do because we see him do various things with various different, uh, different style of quarterbacks. And this is the first time, you know, that he's had his hands on a savvy veteran and you're starting to see the results of that. We heard Flacco speak earlier this week in this press conference about 
getting to play, getting in the playbook and getting in a film room and just correcting two or three throws that, you know, he kind of thought like were issues last week. And you can just see the poise, you know, and G, you alluded to the wisdom like we talked about. But one of the things that none of us has addressed yet, for everybody who thought that uh, Joe Flacco was a statue, you still see that he has the ability to move around in the pocket, escape the pocket. Like there was a lot of times uh, during this this game that he could have went down for a sack and he didn't. So, you know, you've seen this this big, strong dude that still got a big arm and has the mental understanding to go out there and how to attack a defense. And it's paying off for the Cleveland Browns. We seen that last week. We seen it again this week. The only difference is we walked away with a win. It is crazy when you look at just a stat sheet. And I know he had the two turnovers. And once again, he wasn't perfect. But Flacco, when it mattered most, made throws in pretty critical times. And I'll be interested to see when we go back and watch the All-22G. I don't know if he had a throw better today than he had against L.A. Like that skinny post he had to Amari Cooper in the first mm-hmm. quarter. That throw to Harrison Bryant were the, still, in my opinion, the two best throws he's had in a Cleveland Browns uniform. But he's just he seems to bring a calmness, a steady-headedness, and an understanding to take what the defense gives him as opposed to trying to reach for more, that when you lack weapons on the outside, you can't always go for the home run. And I know and I know Stefanski likes to call some design shots, and it happens. Like, you're always going to take shots here and there, but he seems more, more accepting. And this is not a shot at Watson or DTR, or this is just, just what I'm observing. He seems more accepting to take whatever whatever's there and get four or five yards on a check down and move to second and six to set up a run, to set up a third and short, then it seemed like the other quarterbacks had beforehand. And I, and I don't know if yeah. that's something that Stefanski has gotten in his ear and say, hey, Joe, you're older. Take what they give you. Let's just live to fight and see another day because you don't have the same play extendability to the level of Deshaun. And Earl, you're right. I thought he was more of a statue than he's shown, but he still ain't Deshaun Watson or DTR in that sense. So I wonder if that's something Stefanski's kind of hammered down into his head. But today and last Sunday against L.A., he just seems to make the right play at the right read. Even if it's just a three-yard out route, it's three yards that they weren't getting earlier in the season, which were putting them behind the sticks. And as any every team knows, third and seven plus, your conversion percentage on those plays are just so slim. And the margin for error on those third and longs are so hard to navigate through that I think he's just brought new life to this offense in a way we hadn't seen in the last two seasons, frankly, even going back to Jacoby Brissett. I just hadn't seen that until Joe Flacco came around. So this is my theory. Y'all tell me y'all agree. This is no shade at all at Kevin Stefanski, right? But when you when you talk about Flacco standing in there and taking what's, you know, taking what's given to him, those six-yard hitch routes and things like that and constantly moving the ball down the field, I really don't think that got much to do with Kevin Stefanski. I just think that's Joe Flacco being an 18-year veteran who understands what it takes to, to, to have success in his league, kind of just going about his thing. I mean, hell, he's been around probably longer than Kevin Stefanski. And so oh, I, I just been around long. But, but I'm yeah, saying, like, I just think, Watson I just think, should, Watson I just think it's one of those situations to too. where when you look at all of the quarterbacks that's that's been a part of the Cleveland Browns, he's just the one with the most success. He's the one with the most experience. He's the ones – He's the one who's been in, in, in the most uh, various situations and circumstances and, and knows what to go to in certain things. And so, if anything, I think this is a situation to where, like, iron is sharpening iron in reverse. He's actually ha- helping out Kevin Stefanski 
more than Kevin Stefanski is helping him out, in my opinion. But Watson's not a Watson's been experienced around for seven w years. Watson like, is not a rookie or anything like that. But seven saying, years. You can't, excuse, you can't excuse 18 years and the level of success that Joe Flacco has had over his career. And I just think those little nuances that goes on inside the game, a quarterback that's been around a little longer, he understands those things. Deshaun Watson is still the let me extend this thing as long as I can. He knows he's capable of making plays with his legs. And that's not that's I think is a combination of that's just not Joe Flacco's playing style, but it's also that experience. And that experience when those situations happen as a quarterback that's been around that long, I don't think your like your tendencies is not going to be like, all right, let me force this into coverage. No, let me just take the four or five yards that's sitting right in front of me. I just don't think that has a lot to do with Kevin Stefanski. It's just more so this quarterback has been around so long, he knows what to do in those situations. I don't know. I think you're giving Watson too much of a pass there, but that's but bygones be bygones. So, I don't even think I'm thinking about Watson. I'm just focused on so, Joe Flacco and oh, giving yeah. him the credit he deserves. Yeah, like so are, are you are you are you so are you asking why does Joe Flacco look better than Deshaun Watson with Kevin Stefanski? Is that what you're getting at? Me or Earl? No, you, McNuggets. Is, I, is that what you're saying? No, I mean, I said I said last week the same thing. I, I feel like Stevin Stefanski is in his bag. He cooks at his best when he is a quarterback who he can put under center on play action with. And that's not what Deshaun Watson does best. So I said it last week, and I tried asking on the show Friday why the two things don't seem to mesh as well as when you bring someone like Joe Flacco in. But in terms of just the checkdowns, I, I was more asking him. I wonder if that's someone Stefanski is, is in Flacco's ear. And yeah, he's played 18 years, but... You know, Patrick Mahomes had to do the same thing last year when teams started playing the two high safeties. He had to make that adjustment in his own game. And I'm well, just curious if that's someone Stefanski's more harping to Flacco or he's just kind of seeing on his own. I'll, I'll, I'll never I'll know say, the actual answer. I'll say it like this. Like, um, they're seeing that in the film work and the tendency. So one of the things that I talked about earlier this year was – you know, the checkdowns and the, and the release the re valve releases where, you know, the, the tight ends are chipping and releasing. Those are open. Right. And there's also been times where the running back out of the backfield right now is open. So you saw a lot of times right now it's like, OK, he's looking at the defense. He realizes that they got the, diff the different coverage. That's, and then whatever routes they're going to run is going to be successful. So instead of going from first to his third progression and then hitting the, the check down guy, he already knows it. He's already, I, yeah, I already know this is not. It's, I went to, I, I looked at the first read. I don't even need to see the second and third. Let me go right down to the back, hit him now in some space, and now he can maneuver and get you four or five yards. And, and I think veterans, veterans tend to rely more on letting your athletes be athletes. Hey, yeah. let me get the ball to you quick so you can make a move and, and move the change. So I think that's what he brings to the table. And that's, I, I wasn't saying that he was going to throw for 300 yards just because he was going to be Joe Flacco and he's un, unstoppable. He's going to throw for 300 yards because he's not going to leave any yards on the table. Sometimes Deshaun Watson and DTR may leave yards on the table because they are looking for the big play because they can extend and they trust their legs and trust their athletic ability. But when you're a veteran, you ain't going to leave nothing on the table. You ain't leaving nothing on the carving table. You're like, I need to get these scraps. I'm going to use these bones in the stock. I'm going to use all this, and I'm going to make a soup out of this too. He don't leave nothing on the table, and I, I think that's why it looks a little more efficient. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I was saying, though. Like, it's, it's Flacco being around the block, but let's not pretend Watson hasn't been around the block too. He was an all-pro three years ago. 
I, so Mike, it, I hear you, but like, like my perspective on this conversation, I'm not even worried about Deshaun Watson. That man in the sling, sitting up in the suite watching the game. I'm just giving Flacco his roses because he's earned them. Like, I'm not even yeah. sitting. There, I, I can't do nothing about with, with Watson. I'm, I'm not knocking do. Flacco. I mean, I'm not knocking Watson. I'm just saying, like, it looks it looks like two different offenses. Like, it, well, it, yeah. It, I mean, it, I, I think everybody agreed to that. Like, it, I just think I, I don't know the you the fans. Everybody might look at it differently. I just think that it's easy. Like, I don't know. I underestimated Joe Flacco. I think that's what it was. I think we all did. Like, I, mean, I, I definitely underestimated, good, like, the... No, the, no, the, no. <laughs> J-Bush waved the flag every time. The flag yeah. of Valley. Yeah. So, so like, I, I just think it's one of those things to where I, 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 I truly underestimated how much Flacco had left in the tank and exactly what a true veteran quarterback who's had NFL success at the highest level, what he can bring to the table. But I'm a Cleveland Browns fan that really don't know much about quarterbacks because I ain't never seen it before, right? And so, like, when you get that in here, like, I set the bar low because I didn't know what to expect. But now I'm looking at this thing like, damn, this dude still know how to read defenses like the back of his hand. And he still know what to do in certain situations. And I think it's just, like I said, iron sharpening iron. I think he's helping his head coach grow. And I think his head coach is doing a good job of putting him in the situations to have success. Like I texted you and said, this offense looks fluid. Like and I and what's crazy is I texted right before the interception, but like literally the play right before it happened. Yeah, but like it like it just seems so much fluid with him back there, right? And this is not a knock to Watson. This is not a knock to DTR or PJ Walker. This is just me giving Flacco his roses, man, because he 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 definitely deserve them. He definitely deserve them. It's the first time a Browns quarterback is thrown for three hundred yards and three touchdowns in a win since Baker Mayfield in 2020. G. Bush, let's talk a little defense for a sec. They forced four turnovers. Our guy MJ Emerson with the hair, he copied from Earl. Two picks. Greg Newsom had a pick. Awok forced a fumble. This game got close at the end when it mattered most. Miles Garrett stepped up. What would you make of the overall defensive performance here from the Cleveland Browns, G? I really liked it. And the reason I don't, you know, I don't get to like you know I, I'm I'm not you know a, a person that's gonna like I, I'll take the look at the game and I'll break it down and because I say something critical doesn't mean that I don't think they played the overall great game I thought the defense got all those turnovers I actually thought the offense should have put up more points than they did this game to me should have been like a 35 to seven type game like because the Browns defense played very very well they did a great job of shutting down the run. They picked Trevor Lawrence off. Uh, and by the way, shout out to Trevor Lawrence for playing in the game. And uh, yeah, he might be made out of metal because he was moving <laughs> in the pocket. He looked good. He looked good. But but here's the thing. He wasn't 100%. Got him off his spot a few times. And sometimes it's not about the sacks. It's about getting the guy off his spot, out of the pocket, being uncomfortable. Emerson, like I said, he's trying to make his, his case to be not only a pro bowler, but a all pro. I thought he had a really good game. I thought Newsom played one of his best games. Um, so yeah, I, I loved what they did. I thought Jim Shorts did a really good job of making sure that they were felt. And I'll give the credit to the fans. It didn't look like that was a lot of people in the stands. But, but trust me, the Cleveland Browns are a different team at home because of the fans because of the atmosphere at Cleveland Brown Stadium. And I've been watching this team for years, and I'm, I'm 42 years old. I can't think about how many times on my hand I said the crowd has been a, a factor, but the Browns are a different team at home. They just are. Like, when you come in here, be ready for a long day. Um, I thought Trevor Lawrence played, and he was he – was, 
a little less than 100%. I would put him at 85%. But listen, they just came in and they frustrated and they, and they did what they needed to do um, in order to, to get a victory. So I thought they were special today with the turnovers. And it just goes to show you, if you do get a bunch of turnovers, it don't mean you're going to blow somebody out. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So they got a bunch of turnovers and all they needed every one of those, though. So uh, I thought Schwartz did a good job today. Earl, what do you think? I, I'm really like I, I'm a custom jersey dude, but uh, I think I might have to go grab that 23. MJ not going nowhere <laughs> for a very long time. That's that's just what it is. Gee, I see your tweet earlier. I mean, my man was out here like with with the PBUs. Yep. Like you know, yep. he didn't have the tackles for loss, but he stopped them right there at the yep. at the line of scrimmage a couple times. Like man, MJ like he he put on full display. Like why he him? I know the Browns uh, had a mic up a couple weeks ago, and he said I'm him. And they just going to have to understand that. So, I mean, I get it. He played well. Uh, great bounce back game, I thought, for Greg Newsom, who didn't play that great last week. But to me, uh, game baller Anthony Walker, man, I thought he played a horrible game last week, if I'm being totally honest with you. And he came back and he showed why he's one of the captains, uh, especially one of the leaders on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I thought Miles played better than he did last week. And I thought that, uh, you know, to be totally honest, if I'm going to give some criticism, it was a little bit left out there to be desired, but, you know, it's cool. Um, it ain't going to never be perfect. You know, you're going to always have some things that you're going to have to clean up and get ready for for next week. Next week, you got Chicago coming in here, and they playing damn good football. And so you yeah. got to make sure that when you want to get some mobile Justin Fields, that some of the things that you you kind of got away with today with an injured Trevor Lawrence, you're probably not going to get away with next week. So um, just, just excited that we got the win. Like, we really, really needed this game. It was an ugly game. It was a lot of turnovers back and forth. It was a wild game, but it's always fun when you win those type of games. You know what I mean? Especially when you know you played well enough to win that game and it wasn't by no fluke or anything like that. Like, we was really in control of this game the entire game. I mean, two turnovers on two plays and you still only give up seven points. <laughs> you can't beat that, so... I thought G said it best. They, the Browns should have won this game by even more. Like, you take the win, but this game shouldn't have come down to a four-point game and an onside kick. The only reason the Jaguars kept it close early was the back-to-back -back turnovers, as Earl, you were just saying. They had the uh, inter the interception on the weird crisscross route. And, and if it was Tillman or more, I'm not sure who ran the wrong one, but you know it's a wrong route when two Browns run into each other on the same play. So yeah. I, that sets up a short field. Emerson comes right back with the interception, so that's no issue. Then the next time Amari Cooper fumbles, it sets up the Jaguars in, inside the red zone. And shout out to uh, Lawrence and Ingram. Delpit was in great coverage. That's just a better throw. There, there's sometimes you can't stop great offense, and Ingram's first touchdown was, was just good offense. I thought overall, despite being gifted 14 points off turnovers, the Browns' defense held up when it needed to. And yeah. we've, been, we've been calling about guys who needed to make plays. Hey, no ward. Emerson and Newsom, you got to play better than you did the last two weeks. They both did. Walker, who graded out as the highest graded Browns defensive player last week, and Earl, I know you and I, when we saw that, we were like, <laughs> did they watch what we watched? Like, oh, they, they did. I said they didn't match. I thought he played well. I thought JOK had a couple big plays. I thought Taki Taki played halfway decent. Grant Delpit before he got hurt, and I hope he's fine. And shout out to Grant Delpit for getting the bag today because him and uh, him and Miles Garrett collided in a weird way, and they both did. Miles came back. Delpit never came back in, right? No, Del Delpit didn't come back in. Yeah, Delpit didn't from, come back from in. From what so. they said, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the broadcast said something about, I think the collision was his head went into Miles Garrett's knee. 
And, and, and Miles is lucky he didn't get his knee cracked because he yeah. it went head in, in in a very awkward position. Man. However, the defensive line stepped up, the secondary stepped up, and, and Anthony Walker, Ronnie Hickman. Earl, Hickman, Ronnie I mean, Hickman. Hickman, and even Bell. Bell made a play or two when he was asked. You have no Thornhill and Delpit goes out, and in the fourth quarter you need guys to come back and say, hey, we've never asked you to make a play in a big situation. Go stop him on, on third and goal. Like, Man, I thought they he, came through. Yeah, I think could have had two interceptions on that last drive. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, I thought they played pretty damn well. Yeah, I, I thought so too. And this probably won't show up in the box, uh, in the box score, man. But if you watch the game, you actually saw the defensive line getting some penetration and getting in the backfield. I thought a lot of the times when uh Jacksonville tried to use the Wildcat, they did a great job of swarming ETN. Uh, something else that I know won't come up, I gotta say it now before I forget. But Pierre Strong on special teams, I thought he played very well on special teams, you know, when he was out, mm-hmm. out there covering punts today. So uh, shout out to him as well. But, yeah, like that that defense, man, with some guys out, uh, some dudes, man, they answered the call. I thought it was a lot of guys on just all over the place that answered the call when it was necessary. Um, so I want to know more about uh, I seen Ford holding his hand. I know he came back to finish yeah. the game, but we know how these things go. So, you know, get some more information on him going forward, man. But uh, gee, let me ask big, you a question. So last week, especially last week, the Rams and McVay used those little fake dive toss out to Kyron Williams to get to the outside, and that crushed and carved through the Browns' rush defense. The Jaguars tried that today and had no success. ETN, all his rushing yards came on traps or inside handoffs. What did the Browns do differently? And I know you didn't see the All-22 yet, but from watching it on TV, what did the Browns do differently to eliminate that area of success from the other team's rushing attack? Before before I get to, get to that, I want to say t- t- three things. Um, unsung character, shout out to Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt on short yardage is exactly what we need. Um, He picked up some tough yards, big-time play on the goal line. I want to see him in short yardage more. Shout-out to him for running hard. Second of all, let's get to this. One of the biggest kicks that we ain't even talking about, 55 yards to put us up by by 10 points. They came down and scored, but that that field goal by Hopkins was huge, Um, being able to hit that field goal and make make it a two-score game. And then then finally – um, when we talk about it, somebody said in the chat over there, they said, oh, listen, whoever, you know, you know, Flacco, all the people that's Flacco fans or Baker fans. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. We do not agree with that. Flacco is doing his thing right now. It ain't nothing about Baker Mayfield. He out here doing his thing. So, no, everybody is not a Baker Mayfield. Baker, bro, who's now on Flacco. Don't try to start that. Stirring the Kool-Aid. Now, let's get back to what you said, Mike and McNuggets. You said, why is they able to do that today? Well, listen, they worked on angles. They did a good job of not giving guys angles. Listen, if you're a defensive lineman and you lined up, you got to have some sort of visual awareness. Why is this receiver or tight end that close to me? Why is they split so low? Why? It, it, where am I at? Am I to the wide side or the short side of the field? If you're to the wide side of the field, be always looking for something coming back this way. If it's a tight end here, if it's a receiver here, it's motion coming this way, your antenna should be going up. I think the, the defensive ends did a much better job of being stiff, of being uh, 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 more solid up front. And if somebody's tr- blocking down on you, we, they used to teach us. My, my defensive line coach, Eric Washington, he's the assistant, G, uh, assistant uh, head coach for the Bills. 
He said, so if a lineman, if, if a receiver is trying to block you, you take one step and you turn around and put them in a hospital. That's what you do to a receiver. <laughs> I guarantee you they won't be cracking back and doing all that stuff because they ain't going to have too many receivers to do that. So I thought they better did a better job in, in, in making sure the angles were solid. And then you got to have backers running the alley. You got to have corners getting off blocks. I thought corners got off blocks much better today, and they wasn't patty caking with the receivers. So you can shut that stuff down. I want to give one more shout-out, Earl, and I want to ask you a question. But shout-out to Corey Bjorkes, too who had what I thought was early in the game, a momentum-changing punt, a 75-yard punt, according to NFL stats and research. That is the longest punt this season that wasn't a touchback. Mm. A 75-yarder that flipped the field from inside the Browns' 10 to setting up Jacksonville at their own 18-yard line. That was a monster play because had that been a shank, Jacksonville, who we saw until the very end, couldn't drive the entire field, had a chance to go tie the game up there, and then who knows how it plays out. So shout-out. The Corey Bjorkes too. The what's his? Does he have a nickname? Does Bjorkes have a, a a bona fide like one name nickname yet? I don't think so. All right, it just stay that way. Punter should have nicknames. I was just making sure that someone was going to call me out for not having a nickname for him. But yeah, no, he he played awesome and he's been really good this season. When he has to let that thing like let it rip, essentially, I don't think there's many punters in the entire NFL who can kick it as far with as much hang time as Bjorkes Earl. On the yes. offensive side, I was listening to you on the pregame show this morning. You did a great job when you were filling in and chiming in. Thank but you. you said Cedric Tillman and Elijah Moore were your locks for touchdowns this week. I know it didn't pan out, but what would you see from Cedric Tillman today in his second game with Joe Flacco and also Elijah Moore? We saw his production go down, but he did make some big catches late when it was uh, in crucial situations. Yeah, uh, Moore had six targets. I thought he had a big drop. That was like on a, like a 15 to 20 yard pass. Don't exactly remember the yardage, but uh, I mean, I thought Elijah Moore played well. I thought he did a great job getting open. I thought the timing by him between him and Joe Flacco, uh, you could clearly see is there. I know it was a it was a third down play. He kind of came and sat down in the, in the in the pocket with two defenders on him, and Joe kind of hit him right in stride. When it comes to Cedric Tillman, man, what he had two catches for 23 yards off of four targets. Um, I thought when he got the ball in his hands, he did a good job of getting some yards out the catch and, and breaking some tackles. Uh, I just, I don't know. I just had this gut feeling that Elijah Moore was going to kind of like duplicate what he did last week and find an end zone. As far as the Tillman prediction, I mean, rookie got to score sometime, right? So, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you, you playing at home, like, you know, I felt like this was one of those moments that, uh, you could possibly get that done, man. But um, yeah, I'm just, man, I'm just ecstatic. I'm ha- I'm happy for David Njoku, right? Like I, I feel like that David has balled out more often than he's not, and I feel like the last couple of weeks, due to the drops, that he's been taking a lot of heat. I know it's been a lot of people in the media calling for him to step up and and kind of like you know play bigger in the moment, and shouldn't have nothing to say now. Like the dude stepped up, he played big, you know, two huge touchdowns and uh. Yeah, that was that. But uh, in joke, uh, sorry, Earl, but Njoku had those two touchdowns, and my favorite play from him all game was in the fourth quarter when he stiff armed the defender with the one hand. Yards, yeah, that was my two. back and stayed inbounds to pick up the first down. Like he he does some of the little things that don't necessarily show up in the box score. He's a really good blocker, and blocking we never talk about from a tight ends, but he's a really good run blocker. And that's a very underrated part of his game. He leads the NFL in yak yards for tight ends. He's up there in the top 10 for yak yards of any receiver. 
It goes Tyreek Hill, then there's a ginormous drop off to number two, and he's at number nine heading into this week. And I'd be shocked if he doesn't go up after. I think he had like 52 yak yards today. Yeah, but what played, I didn't know is in this game we was watching actually one and two. Him and Evan Ingram was one and two coming into this week. And yak yards, yards tight ends. Yeah. Evan Ingram is a good player too. McNuggets, yeah. we gotta we gotta do another segment. We should we should we should do um grade the trick play. Cause Stefanski got one or two every single week. This did this week's trick play was <laughs> the option with DTR. Well, he, How did I don't you know like, about Tor. Wait, he had two. Oh, you wait, go first. You go first. Wait, I don't know DTR about Tor, but but the one on Bale one, I had no problem with the play call and I thought it was brilliant because Everybody, I did, the defense did, everybody and their mama thought the Browns was going to run the football right there. And the way that Flacco held, like sold it and then got the ball to David Bell and then the defender I, slipped, I it was a wrap. I didn't think like, that was a trick play. I just thought that was yeah. just, that was just like they just fooled him. Yeah, that's oh, a play well, action. Well, there you go. <laughs> but, gee, you're talking about when DTR came in the game and they tried a little something different. I'm going to give you the three trick plays. You rank these, your favorite, your second favorite, your third favorite. Yeah. So first was when DTR came in on the first drive. And oh, that was medium off. sauce. And they just ran the ball to Kareem Hunt on the sweep? Yeah. Okay. Not liking that. I mean, I thought D- that was a regular play. Uh, DTR comes in on the second time, third and one, and does a little sweep himself out yeah, to the left. DTR sweep. I like that. I like that. I Listen, I was laughing and joking. I'm like, oh, this guy brings him. I like that. I'm going to give him a B-plus on that one. And last but not least, the third trick play, the Kareem Hunt Wildcat touchdown, which I know Wildcat's not a real trick play, but Joe Flacco was lined up in the receiver spot. Hey, That's got to count for something. Hey, the Wildcat play on the goal line, Kareem Hunt ran it in. I was pumped. I almost threw my neck is hurting right now because I was like, yeah. It was like, When you go go back and watch that Kareem Hunt touchdown, watch a little trap. They ran. It was either Batoni or Teller. I don't remember which way it, which yep. way it went. It was Batoni, I think. Batoni, the, the little trap block he had to come back to come back across the line and pin whatever the Jaguars' defensive tackle was to create that little scene for <laughs> Kareem Hunt. I tweeted this out, guys, and and I'll take the L. Like I'll take the L on this one. I I did not think Kareem Hunt had a ton left. He might be the best short yardage back in football this season. You go at any of the metrics. If the Browns need a yard. And we he's can argue that they run to the pat, whatever. I'm not trying to get in that argument. I'm just saying he's getting it. There's not a better option in football right now than Kareem Hunt on short yardage. Seriously, he might be the best short yardage back in the NFL this season. I will admit, hand up McNuggets, bad job. I'll take the yell on that. I, I didn't think he had that much left in him. And I he mean, you weren't as so bad better than I thought. You weren't bad as Jason Lloyd. <laughs> Jason Lloyd said he played with two flat tires and he on a donut too. <laughs> I say, dang, that's like three out of the four tires, Lloyd. Yeah, he's been so good. Hey, by the way, somebody said, listen, <laughs> Red Right 88 said <laughs> Jerome Ford is going to be on this year's episode, uh, this year's uh, version of uh, Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> the way he be twinkle toeing around this line of scrimmage, bro. <laughs> yeah, on that second and one, he kind of pissed me off with that. Oh, uh, I was upset. I'm like, if, if boy, you don't run straight downhill and go get that first down, boy, boy you better stay. But he be out there just to, he's so light on his feet. Like, he one of them people that think, you remember you used to play street football and you thought yeah. if you get to the sidelines, you was gone? Everybody, if, real, if I get to the sidelines, it's a wrap. Sideline pop is real. <laughs> can That's can real. I ask you guys a, a weird question, real quick? So I texted Jason and Bull this during the game, and they said they didn't notice it, but they weren't looking at it. This is not a, a negative at all. Just something I noticed, and maybe I'm way off. It seems like Joe Flacco takes 33 years to hand the football off. 
That's I, don't know if that's, I don't know if that's by design. I don't know if deliberate. that's him being slow. Did you notice it too? I didn't, to be totally honest with you. I know there was a – I think it was in the first quarter. It was a play to where you can tell there was an issue with the exchange between him and Jerome Ford. But outside of that, I don't know if I see necessarily an issue with how long it's taking him to get the ball to the <laughs> running back. <laughs> no, I'm not even saying it's an issue. I, I think it might be by design. I think that's what, what makes the play action so, so effective. But you got to show it just him. seems like it takes – like G. Bush in slow motion doing his thing. Like it actually seems like he's – Overemphasizing the the slow motion on the handoff because the arm makes- has to be locked, McNuggets. The arm has to be. Certain quarterbacks just want to do this. No, that's open and shut. The play action is arm extended. You want every linebacker and safety to see it. Look, see what I got here, and then you snatch it back. <laughs> oh, you got you got to be a little faster than that. You got to be faster than that. And he, that's what gets you. And the thing about it is, when you ain't got no receivers, that's getting no separation or is is, is fast dudes. You gotta give him that one or two steps to get off the line of scrimmage, and play action does that. People say, why is it more effective? Why does it look like Elijah Moore or these guys have more space between DTR and Deshaun Watson when they throw the ball? It's because when you went shotgun and there's no play action available, people can get in your bag and mix of tricks. Bro, they in you. They look. They up here looking like you ain't, ain't no run. I'm up here bumping you, shoving you. You can't get off the line of scrimmage, and you know what's the name is vertically challenged. You know Elijah Moore vertically challenged like that. They jamming him at the line of scrimmage right now. But play action, he could get a free release, get into these voids, sit down, and look just look a little better. I appreciate that some people in the chat are telling me they they, they realized that too or noticed it too. So maybe I'm not <laughs> maybe I'm not crazy. And listen, it's probably by design. Like Joe Flack has been doing this for 18 years now. Like he does it his way. It's worked. It's been successful. It's not a knock. It's just something I noticed that it felt. It, the exchange felt a little longer, and maybe that's why it's so effective in the play action because he holds that bad boy out to the last freaking second. And you like, made you like, do I got to play run? So, is, is Kareem Hunt getting this ball? Yeah. And you're like, dang it. He ain't got it. Now you got to get off a block. Yeah. <laughs> now you, you can't just run upfield because that play action is stopping everything. It, it, it's been working. So, Joe, keep doing it. Make it even slower. Slow time down. Well, G-Bush, you're the Marvel guy. Who's the who's the superhero that can stop time and slow down time? I mean, that, listen, that's 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 the Flash. The Flash is actually no, he's, he's OP. He's moving so fast. You're in slow motion. No, but he's like, the Mar- he's the Marvel guy. Uh, Cumberbatch. Um, Doctor Strange. Does he do that? Doctor Strange can pause time. Yeah. WandaVision. Wanda. WandaVision is overpowered. Uh, Scarlet Witch is overpowered. But listen, your boy Wilson can run so fast he can rewind time himself. The Flash. I don't know if Joe Flacco has ever been called the Flash in his life, but he's definitely it's, not. It's, he's definitely not the statue like we thought he was. So I think I was thinking to, of Doctor Strange here. Hey, shout out to the time. The time stone get it done too. All right, let's give out some uh, some game balls. Two game balls each. We'll read some super chats. And then we will get uh we'll get on out of here and get ready for tomorrow's ultimate Cleveland sports show. The floor is empty, Earl. You're up first. Two game balls. Gee, you can't copy Earl, and I can't copy you. But two game balls. Who are you giving them to? Nels is easy, man. My guys with their hair, man. Shout out to Shanti's clients, man. <laughs> David Dejoku, Martin Emerson Jr. Two touchdowns, two interceptions, man. Shout out to them dudes. G Bush, who's getting your game balls? 
First of all, before we talk about game balls, you can get this shirt. I'm giving out two shirts, so go ahead and get it. It's the Grinch Green. You see what it looks like, man. If you want to get this shirt, I'm picking two people at random. It's, it, hit me up, gbush91 at hotmail.com with, with the sentence line, with the tagline, Xmas. Xmas, I'm giving out two of these shirts. We'll be ready to go hot and ready off the, off the presses. Let me get my two game balls away. Let's get it to Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, big-time touchdown on the goal line, loved what he was doing, got the ball ready to go. Anytime you give him the rock, he's ready to get it done. I, I need him to get more touches, and he's automatic down there. And then you know what it is. Flacavelli himself. Brrr, brrr. Flacavelli is out here. They had, him, they had him going for dead. And you know what the sweetest thing is? I watched Joe Flacco destroyed my Cleveland Browns for half of my childhood and early adult stages. I watched Joe Flacco lead the Baltimore Ravens to a Super Bowl. I watched Joe Flacco do it as a a wild card. And guess what? He was doing the same slow little... He was doing that to me and the Browns for 40 years. And now he's on our squad and he comes back and pays dividends, man. I'm liking it. And by, by the way, we ain't talking about game balls, but by the way, this has been one of the most enjoyable seasons by the Browns. Maybe it's because I don't got expectations. Maybe it is because they got 17 quarterbacks or whatever and, and they keep winning. But I just love the fact that they continue to keep on winning. They are in the, in the playoff thick of things. And, uh, and shout out to P.J. Walker, man. I'll, I'll see you ringing the bell outside the Giant Eagle here next week. Keep your head up, son. G, two things before I get up my game balls. A, that shirt you brought in the black one to UCSS on Friday, it looks it, 10 times better in green. Like, I, I like the black one. The green one just screams Grinch. So I'm telling you. I, think, I, I, think I will have that on tomorrow. The best bet. It will be on tomorrow, the Grinch. The, the green's the money one. Second off, we got to get you a new – Email address, man. You can't still be using Hotmail. It's not the 1980s anymore, bro. That's why people know it. <laughs> Gbush91 at Hotmail. They, how you got a Hotmail? I think you're the last <laughs> person who still uses Hotmail. But all right, my two game balls. I'll give my defensive game ball. And once again, I can't take Emerson and I can't take who G mentioned because they were already uh, they were already giving up. I'll give my game ball to uh, Greg Newsom, who I thought played a really good game on the outside. It was such an issue with Denzel Ward the last two weeks that when we it got announced that he wasn't playing this morning. Jay texted our group chat saying he was changing his pick to the Jaguars. So that, that, that's how much of an impact we all thought Denzel Ward would have coming back into the lineup. Well, guess what? Trevor Lawrence threw three picks. The Jaguars had four turnovers. Greg Newsom had his second career pick today. And I do think Emerson is the right choice because he already had a game ball and gave him mine to Newsom. Also giving my offensive game ball to Kevin Stefanski. I thought he came in with a great game plan. You throw a touchdown pass to someone and the closest defender is me in my apartment half a mile away. That's a scheme touchdown. Kevin Stefanski had guys wide open and he's made and helped. And it's not just him. Joe Flacco deserves a ton of credit too. But he's made Joe Flacco look awesome through two weeks. And Joe Flacco has made Kevin Stefanski look very smart through two weeks. And I said it to start the show and I'll say it to end the show. Those two through two weeks, through two games, through 120 minutes of football have looked like a peanut butter and jelly type combination here it works it just works all right y'all ready for some super chats and then we'll give our final thoughts and go watch some sunday night football first one comes from uh that's anthony that's anthony that's anthony first one comes from set apart laz he says weird that flacco is still this good in cleveland 
with the win. He is now 10-2 and in his career in Cleveland Browns Stadium. Simple says, 100%, I legitimately think Flacco can lead us to the promised land. It also gives me 230 million reasons to wonder why we didn't just get a veteran who can read defenses. <laughs> if you guys want to chime in on any of these, let me know. If not, I'll just keep reading through. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> Psych Monger says, I'm all in on Team Staflacco. Staflacco, okay. Ronald Archer says... Flacco Don Strock has returned. Cool hand Luke, smooth operator, unflappable Flacco. Preston Herring says, we need to start having a conversation, an honest conversation about why Stefanski looks and feels more comfortable calling plays for a Flacco-type quarterback than he does for a Deshaun Watson-type quarterback. We kind of touched on that earlier a little bit. If you want to rewind, we already we don't have to rehash into that, but we kind of talked about that yeah, we kind of looked a little at bit it. earlier. Uh, Wes B says, Shannon Carey, Shannon Sharry, C-H-A-R-R-I-E, is a Browns fan. Set Apart Lad says, it really was a blowout. We gifted Jacksonville three touchdowns. Uh, he has a question. He said, what's wrong with Coop? I'm really concerned. Listen, come on, Amari Cooper. You Listen, I don't know if you lost your dog. I don't know what happened. Uh, what's going on? Like, you homes? Listen, that is... And you usually be good, bro, but you you can't so do it like that. I, man, my grandfather, right, God rest his soul, uh, was from Mobile, Alabama. So he's one of those Alabama old school football heads. And growing up, man, it's funny because I heard it again. I remember the Titans. My grandfather used to say, you can do anything in this world. You just don't fumble the football. <laughs> and I say, well, well, you know, defenders punch footballs out. Nah, don't you matter. Do anything you want to do in this world, man. You just don't fumble the football. So, yeah. I will say he, he just did come back off a concussion. Somebody he said that. The football. Yeah, he yeah the football. You, you know. He's he a no guy in this world. No you know, you can be over. You, you you can get a speeding ticket in this world. You know, you, you can get a phone, hall from, phone call home from school because you're not doing what you're supposed to do in your third grade class. But whatever you do, you do not fumble the football. Let me ask you all a question real quick. With, have you guys looked at the box score yet? No, I checked it. Earl, have you seen it yet? Uh, yeah. Okay, then you don't answer this. This is for G. What do you think Cooper's stat line was, G? Oh, Cooper had some yards. I think he caught like four or five balls for like 87 yards. He had seven catches for 77 yards on 14 targets. 14 targets. That ties a season high for any receiver this season for the Browns. And Joku had 14 targets against the Steelers in DTR's first game, or well, his first start in his most recent iteration as the starting quarterback, and there's 14 as well. He's coming off concussion, no excuses. Earl's right, you can't fumble, especially in that area of the field. You're a veteran. Like, you know better. Fumbles happen, but he uh, he did not have two hands on the ball. He's got to be a little better. I didn't think he was terrible by any means, but he's got to be a little better. So he, be better. Better. he gets a tiny bit of a pass because he is coming off a concussion and he had the rib injury, but I, I'm kind of with Earl. I'm kind of with Earl. You can't fumble the ball there. At the end of the day, that, that's a crucial turnover that led directly to seven points for the Jaguars. Chiefs is out here looking garbage. What's the score of that game? 14 rib. Did you hear uh we should did you hear about real, real quick, a minute toss, but did you hear Sean McDermott's 9-11 comments? Yeah, that was kind of crazy. That that he's 
Me and Spencer talked about it this morning, man. That uh, was kind of crazy. Find a better way, bro. Yeah, that's all I can tell you. Find a better way. It's that, it's more than one way to skin a cat, man. You, and I'm the analogy it. guy. I'm sure a lot of my analogies do not hit home. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes some are better than the others, but I try to stay away from a couple things. I start I try to stay away from analogy that yeah. deal with religion, r- race, wars, no. or uh, uh, or or who you voted for. There's a million better ways to say that, and there's never a right appropriate time to use the expression he did. All right, Devonta Travis said, "AOG Flockavelli came in like Pac, and the defense was like Diddy." Oh, too early. <laughs> a dub Sigma said Jack taking Joe B's job. No, Flacco's playing well, but can we please stop acting like Joe is the future? It's Watson back and dominant in 2024. Who said Joe was the future? Listen, yeah, nobody say that. Deshaun Watson's the quarterback in 2020. No, no, specifically, who said Joe Flacco is the future of the Cleveland Browns? I don't know. None of us said it. None now listen, we listen. I think anybody with a blues clue and common sense know that Deshaun Watson is the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns next year and every year going forward, unless the circuit situation is what it is now, which is him being hurt. Yeah. Like that's that's without a I, I don't even think that's something that needs to be addressed, right? I, I was hoping and praying that no matter who played well, that we wasn't even gonna have to address no stuff like this or go down this road. Like, like let's not let's not do that, y'all. Let's no. let's not do that. It's Deshaun's team. For better or worse, it is Deshaun's team for 2024, 2024, and 2025. That is it, point blank, period. All right, Ryan Buck Strauss says, has having a competent quarterback that can make read make reads showed players like David Bell and Cedric Tillman they have useful roles in this offense? G. Earl? They, nah, they, they, they should know they got to use they useful in this offense because they're getting paid. <laughs> they professional yeah. players like they don't they can't afford to have the same outlook we do they better go out there every week and think that they better be winning like and i'm gonna get 100 yards y'all they hope should, they ain't breaking this thing down the way we are no they <laughs> gotta be dilute i the football team has to be delusional like david bell has to think that he is like going to the hall of fame or he's yeah. just not gonna ball like he has to be delusional yeah He's right. All right, two more. We have one from Daryl. He says, great win, Kool-Aid Mafia in the building. Victory Monday, let's go. And last from Simple says, how are we not the four <laughs> seed? Uh, the top four seeds are the four division winners. And then the best record gets the fifth seed in the wild card, six seed, seven seed. But the top four teams, despite records, are the four division winners. So even though the Browns have beaten Jacksonville, Jacksonville is still – one game up on Indianapolis and Houston in the division, so they would get the four seed, and then the Browns, the five seed. It does, though, and it is worth mentioning, depending on how who wins and lost and loses, the playoffs get reseeded after each round. So just because the Browns don't get a home playoff game at first because they probably won't win their division, barring a, a Ravens collapse, that does not mean it's impossible if the Browns win their first-round game. They could get a home playoff game in the second round, even as the five seed, if all the right upsets happen. So it gets reseeded every playoff round. But right now, the top four seeds, for better or worse, records be damned, are the four division winners. I think uh, I think I'm about to shoot to the bar, buy a flack or go buy him a shot. Whatever you want. What bar do you think, hey, G and Earl, you guys know Cleveland better than I do, but what bar do you think Joe Flacco would most likely attend after a Browns victory? Joe Flacco, his bar, his house? 
Like, well, Bali is ours, but if I, if I like, okay, if you, if you, have, you, have, yeah, you have to pick like a, a real location in Cleveland. I wouldn't go there, but I mean, nah, I'm not. No, I'm not saying no locations name. Um, I'm not saying no location. Maybe that's the that's the radio. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Want, it could be a potential sponsor um, or something. Let me see. It's not a knock. This is where we think Joe Flacco would go. Probably go I to think the he's Regular enough. He. I think he eats at. I think he drinks at food establishments. So <laughs> I think he'd be like, yeah, dog. I was. You know what? And I was I was over at the Winky Lizard the other day, seeing Joe Flacco sitting at the bar drinking a Miller Genuine Draft. No, you be like, you drink, you drink. Hey, G, right? He probably at PRW right now, and he just sat at the bar while he was waiting on his table. Right, right? just That's, waiting on waiting on yeah. random wings, and he looks like he's a drumstick guy too, not flats. Hey, there's one. I agree. Well, I pay that two ninety two for the all flats. I don't know. All the all flats is the way to go. You guys are wrong. Yeah. Drumsticks all day. Hey, there's one play oh. with it. We, we, we we had Adam Richmond on. Listen, I'm a, I'm a drumstick guy. I I love flats. I don't discriminate against any wings. They're my favorite food in the world. But give me give me uh, drumsticks all day. Hey, one play we didn't touch on, G, and I I need your opinion on this because this it was a huge break for the Browns in the fourth quarter. It was uh, third and one. The Browns get the false start. James Hudson false starts. It goes to third and six, and and the QB sneak didn't work anyway. So they got stopped on the QB sneak, but it was a false start. Flacco throws an incomplete pass. It's then fourth and six. And And Jacksonville jumps. Jumps. Fourth and one. Browns go for it. Extend the drive. Waste time. I believe they scored on that drive too, right? Didn't they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive? No, I think they punted on that drive still. But they still wasted time. Yes. If that was the Browns, let's say the roles were reversed here. We would be absolutely eviscerating whatever player jumped offside. Like, there's no reason for it. Public enemy number one in Cleveland. Is there any reason? Can you think of going back to any time you played football in those meetings? Any reason in the world why a defensive tackle would try jumping there? And that's the reason why they don't put defensive tackles on the pump units because. It's just like you just don't do that. Most of the times, like they don't even have a punt block called. They're setting up a return, bro. Like you're supposed to go up there, patty cake with somebody for five seconds, turn around and jog downfield as a guy fair catches. You have no like use in that play. Like you you're off the play. You're not you're not supposed to make any sort of play on that. So when you see that. It's just like the, the the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, and the special team coach all at once just want to throw up. They just because you get a sick feeling to your stomach because it's like there's no there is no excuse for that. Like that is just simply you checking out mentally and letting your body go on autopilot. You can't do that, bro. Earl, you can start us off. We'll go around the horn to wrap up. But final overarching thoughts on the Browns: thirty-one twenty-seven. Big time victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought it was another one of those games that I walked away very impressed with my football team. Um, I am wacko for Flacco. I am on G. Bush's Kool-Aid. I heard he spiked it, which is which is cool with me. So hey, FOMO to go with that. But in all seriousness, man, we beat another team that was a good team in the AFC in a game that uh, a lot of us viewed as a must-win game. And when you go out there and you're not playing those scrubs and you win a game that you absolutely need to have and you continue to do things based on circumstances and adversity that's overly impressive to your fans, yeah, my hat's off to you, man. On to the Chicago Bears. G? Listen, man, another win, another one. 
Man, I, you know what? This this is a this is a tool, and this is a a teaching lesson for everybody out there. There are multiple teams that when they lose their quarterbacks, guess what? They say the season is over. But guess what? We're starting to see now. There's a change in tide around the league, and this isn't just all about analytics. It isn't just about what the book says. It isn't about any of that. Football is a game that it, it takes 11 people doing their jobs. Yes, the quarterback is important, but there's guys up front that are important. Your, the play calling counts. All of that counts. And sometimes, you know, the sum of what you guys are doing are, are bigger than the individual parts. And right now, I'm enjoying this season because in a season where people have reduced everything down to how many throws the quarterback can make and whether you have a franchise quarterback, the Cleveland Browns are leading the leading the flag and putting the flag in the sky and say, look, sometimes you don't understand it, but guess what? You could get hot, you can make a play, and you never know. It's all about what you do on the field. It ain't about what I say or Earl or McNuggets. You got to go out there and play. And I always tell people, God ain't really on that field. He's somewhere trying to fix some other problems. It's up to you and your teammates to get it done. And and the Browns right now are doing it at an entertaining rate, and they're doing it by a bunch of dudes that's buying in, that refuse to lose. We 8-5 and five now. 9-5 and five is on the way. Let's get it done. And this has been one of the most enjoyable uh, enjoyable seasons I've had such thus far. I'll just say this. You're on quarterback number four. You're on left tackles number four and five. You're on running backs two and off the couch in week three. You're on defensive tackles. We weren't here until the offseason. We're on defensive backs and safeties up from the practice squad. And you just beat a playoff team. You just beat a division leader. Yep. And you can give credit to a lot of different guys, and a, the pie should be spread. And there, I don't think there's a giant slice like we do sometimes the blame game where it's 60% one per. I think it's a lot of 12 to 15% slices here. And Flacco deserves all the flowers he will get over the next six, seven days as we get ready for Chicago. I think Kevin Stefanski deserves a ton of praise for how he's gotten the most out of Flacco and how those two have come together to work and execute an offensive system that, say what you want, is new to Joe Flacco. The offensive line. I think has been really, really good the last couple of weeks. The defensive line, we called them out. We said no excuses. They showed up, four sacks, almost 10 quarterback hits, pressure constantly on Trevor Lawrence. And most importantly in my mind was the secondary. They didn't have Christian Kirk, and they had Trevor Lawrence on one ankle, one and a half ankles. It may end up being it was really damn near two ankles, but still, I saw him get hurt last, last Monday night. I know he wasn't 100%, despite the fact that he looked unhindered. This was a hell of a team win. It took Dustin Hopkins as well. And I think everybody in Cleveland, fan of the team, player on the team, supporter, whatever, should sleep well tonight knowing that regardless of who's on the other sideline, this Browns team has a chance to compete and beat. And with four weeks left to go in the regular season and a playoff race ahead of us, that's about all you can ask for from any team in the AFC right now. The Browns are in that conversation, and they haven't been here in a long time. So that's all we got for the postgame show. We'll see you on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show tomorrow, 11 a.m. As always, we appreciate you guys, the GOATs, the best postgame audience in the entire world, for tuning in with us, for G. Bush, for Earl Pearl, and Anthony. I'm Mikey McNuggets, and we will see you all tomorrow. Peace, and buy G-shirts.
Peace. Waco for Flaco.